Welcome to this week's episode of Football Neophytes. We are going to talk about the impacts of COVID. As always, we're going to take a little deeper dive into Manchester United and Wolves. We're going to look at the teams that seem to be falling, Chelsea and Tottenham. Uh, Is Liverpool going to run away with the league again? Villa and Everton are back up, and we're going to make some predictions on the Football Neophytes Derby this weekend. Manchester United hosts Wolves. What up, gentlemen? What's going on, Nate? What's up? Not a whole lot. Just uh, chilling. What's going on with you? Well, that's those are the big. That's the big news around the Hughes household. Uh, my father-in-law has COVID. We spent Christmas with him, so we are on a little bit of a quarantine right now. We went and got some rapid tests today. Emily and I both came back negative, but. We also at the same time had him do the, the more detailed tests. So tomorrow afternoon we should find out. But uh, my in-law's house is a bit a bit ravaged. Brother-in-law has it. Mother-in-law is not feeling too good. So all that to say, football neophytes derby view party is called off tomorrow, which is super sad. That's why we're bringing this episode to you today. We are meant to record after football neophytes derby. Um, Kyle had a, uh, a loss in their family as well. Um, so he's not even here. There's just been a lot going on. So unfortunately this much anticipated, uh, live recording with the three of us is, is postponed till a later date. Leave it to me to give you one last thing that you are excited about for it only to go F you, you don't get that. We should have known my son, my son's birthday is December 31st. So we should have known that there was like one final thing to just kick us in the nuts to finish off the year. So we're having to scramble to, to salvage his birthday and, uh, and all that, but it's not just my family that, uh, has been ravaged by COVID. Apparently there's an outbreak at Manchester city. That game, that match was called off today. Um, it seems like bound to happen uh, at some point. In some ways, I feel like Premier League has escaped pretty scot-free um, compared to some of the other leagues. Yeah, they had a, they did have the outbreak at, I think, Newcastle, Newcastle. a couple weeks ago, where they had to cancel a match. Um, I, I want to say it was against Burnley. I'm not 100% on that. I think it was just that no one cared about the match, so we didn't really <laughs> need to cover it. Um, but yeah, this is this is definitely the first outbreak at a premier club that that um, you know you got to track it and kind of hope it doesn't get out any further. But definitely sounds like they probably aren't playing anytime this week. Yeah, and to me, it's like just more shocking. We haven't heard more of it in in the Premier League with the amount of travel they do, not just within the country, but internationally with champions league, you know, there's seven teams in the premier league. So, you know, a third of the league is traveling around Europe, playing these matches. 
in a multitude of different countries. And so with them coming and playing, playing matches uh, in England as well. So in some ways it seems like pretty, pretty light compared to what could happen. I mean, the NBA just started here and I think there's already been a couple matches uh, postponed here as well. So um, we'll see what happens and what the ramifications are this long-term, you know, theoretically as the, as the vaccine gets distributed, we should see numbers start to drop, but we're still in the full throes of it. So you imagine there'll be some more, some more COVID implications uh, for other clubs coming up as well. Yeah, for sure. Unfortunately, let me, let me ask you guys this. Uh, Do you think that athletes and sports teams should be able to cut in line in the vaccine and just get it? No. I, so I'm kind of torn. I don't think that they should just be allowed to, like, I think it's dumb that, you know, the wealthy being able to buy their way in front. I'm, I'm not for that in any way, shape or form. Uh, what I am for is my entertainment. And, <laughs> and if, if it means my favorite teams being able to continue to play and entertain me while I sit at home, not able to get it or quarantining or keeping my family safe, I'm kind of for it. So I'm, I'm a little bit torn. And, and I know it's a horrible way to look at it and a horrible thing. The most vulnerable need it. Our frontline workers need it. Um, I fully support all of that. Kyle, what do you think? I gave my emphatic answer. Oh, man. I can't comment on this. I don't want to look like a bad person, but... Oh, Kyle's uh, an (laughs) anti-vaxxer. I am not an anti-vaxxer, for the record. (laughs) But uh, I do also want to see sports on TV, so... Um, let's just get the vaccine to everyone and not have to worry about this. Gosh, you guys. Um, it was interesting though. Like I was talking to here, here's my, here's part of my reason though, is you have, you have athletes and organizations with a lot of money and ability to provide ways for the leagues to continue without needing the vaccines and so we've seen it already right like every major professional sport has been able to to figure out ways to do it i'm not saying they didn't lose lots of money i know i know professional sports organizations have lost lots of money but they've been able to do it they've been able to figure it out and it hasn't shut these leagues down and so they've they've been truncated of course but i guess that's my point is like dude, you've basically figured out ways to do it anyways. Just keep doing it and save your vaccines for those who need it. How about this? Here's a way we can both be happy. I am happy. We're watching sports right now. You're going to have a hard time convincing. If we pitch it as we give these guys the shots and that, and we prove that the shots work and they're, they're not a conspiracy and that convinces the rest of the population who has a little bit more of conspiratorial views, get the shots, and then we're, up, we're better as a society. So by giving them to athletes who are in the public eye, we are helping society. Right, Chris? 
For sure. And Nate, if you were a fan of Man City, you might have a little bit of a different viewpoint on this. Just because your teams are playing right now doesn't mean it's not affecting others. Listen, here's the thing. If the vaccine, like, if someone's going to believe in a conspiracy theory about the vaccine, it doesn't matter if LeBron gets the vaccine or not. <laughs> they're going to, they're not going to believe it. So they're not taking the vaccine, no matter if Fitz, Larry Fitzgerald takes it. Well, their neighbor, it doesn't matter. Not that that's not true because if Kyrie Irving gets the vaccine, it'll they'll be like, he's one of us and that's he true. got it. Let's go. That's true. That's true. It's hard to tr- hard to track someone on a flat earth. Yes. <laughs> I love how quickly we've derailed uh, our weekly podcast. No, 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 no. It was about COVID. This is good. This is what we're talking about. Chris, tell us about Manchester United. How are you yeah, feeling? Uh, how am I feeling? It's been a it's been a little bit of a frustrating week. Um, starting with Pochettino being signed at PSG and that Pochettino. We'll, Pochettino. we'll use that for the Pulisic pronunciation game at some point. Yep. Uh, with him now being at PSG, that little slight glimmer of hope of them with there being like this glaring better manager out there with that now gone. I'm kind of resigned into just like, all right, so I got to trust Ole now. I got to trust Ole. Um, and unfortunately. Dude, you are, no, no, no. But like, you were in second place. Yeah. Up, like, you're in fourth right now, but a couple games in hand. Yep. I know you're frustrated with Ole, but. That's not going away. Like, and I've been. What if they win the league? What if they win the league? Great. Great. If they win the league, you still want Ole out. I mean, at that point, you got (laughs) to just be honest and be like, he, no, he, he is what he is. Um, But when you wake up at 530 in the morning to watch your team go in a very important match and you see the lineup he put out there. I mean, it's bad. It's not, you know, and part of his lineup decisions were injury related. So he was a little handcuffed in, in some of his selections for the Leicester game. Um, Basaka being out is not good. He's such an elite defender and not having him and not having really anyone on your bench that can step in and play to his level. Um, but the mistake in moving Victor Lindelof from inside to outside and playing Eric Baye, who is terrible to be kind to Eric Baye. Um, he should be playing in like the early rounds of the Caribou Cup, not in a two versus three impactful game. Um, but Chris, so they, drew, they drew on the road to the number two team in the league or number three team, depending on when it was like, it, yes. it wasn't like, I, I just, I'm, I'm playing, I don't pay enough attention to Manchester United, but right, this is, I think a bit of why people hate the big, big six clubs is because um, you're bitching about being in fourth and they're playing great right now. And they drew against a great club on the road. Yeah. I'm not bitching about them being in fourth. I love that they're there, especially with a game in hand. Um, but 
we're talking about managerial decisions and when there's better options to go to with better lineups to run out there, that's what's frustrating is there's clearly better players who are not playing and even going into substitution patterns and things like that. Like he just, I talked about this before. He has his guys that he trusts and he wants out there and he's running them out there, whether they win, lose or draw, he's running them out there week in and week out when there's better guys who could, who could be playing and giving them better chances to win. So that's, what's frustrating. Um, You know, and then the, the defensive, you know, moving Lindelof out didn't work out because he's got a back issue and he ends up injuring it and having to come out of the game. So he comes out Tuan Zanabe comes in um, who isn't bad. I, I don't mind. He's a young guy. You know, we haven't really seen a whole lot from him. He's only played a few matches for us. Um, but he's pretty decent. He ends up giving up the own goal to lose or to draw the match um, on Vardy's, you know, almost last second shot, which was going way wide. But he sticks his knee out there, goes off his knee and redirects right in the goal. Not much you can do. You don't know. I don't blame him at all for that. Uh, you could definitely blame a couple of the Man U defenders for the first goal that they gave up to Barnes. Oh, I would blame a lot of them. Yeah, I mean, it was it was atrocious. You, it starts with Bruno making a stupid pass attempt that gets blocked and stolen. It goes to McTominay, who just let him run next to him and step into the shooting zone and not never stepped up. Eric Baye never steps up and just sticks his leg out and turns his head and watches the ball go by him. And De Gea, who can't save anything unless it's basically kicked right at him at this point, um, what you know he dives and flails at it and it goes in it was a really nice shot from Barnes don't get me wrong I'm not taking yeah, that was a Barnes. beautiful shot that, that was a howler I mean that he just you know just on a line that thing never sailed at all it just was a rocket straight to the back of the net great goal for him but it was just atrocious defense that lets it in um on the positive on the plus side on the flip side of all of that man you probably could have scored five um you know, Rashford missed two pretty wide open nets on a header early. He scores on his next chance. And then on, on a third one, he kicked it right at, right at Schmeichel. Um, so they could have scored a lot more. Um, I know I've mentioned this to you in the past. I don't know if I've really gone on the record on the, on the podcast with it. Uh, I think Anthony Martial, I don't know where he's actually rated, but wherever it is, he's overrated. I don't think he's that good. I've <laughs> felt that way since I started watching this team. He <clears throat> He's almost like Pogba. Like, it's just no effort out there at all. And when you've got Cavani sitting on the bench, I know Cavani's older and he probably – shouldn't be playing 90 minutes every game. And, and, you know, there's no way that at 33, he could do that for the remainder of the season. I understand that, but that dude knows how to play and he knows how to move and he knows how to get into opportunities. And when he did come in for Marshall, they scored within a few minutes on a nice assist of him getting it over to Bruno for the goal that put him up two one. So it's frustrating that that's my biggest thing with Ole. And that's what I will continue to go to is that, it's frustrating the guys he runs out there when there's better options available. Yeah. Well, it'll be interesting to see what happens tomorrow, but before we get there, um, just want to recap wolves, Tottenham. Um, I what? think this, 
I think what a strange scoring line of goal in the first minute and then goal in like the 87th minute of like crazy. Yeah. Um, it, I would say as this match was as much about Spurs being very underwhelming as it was about Wolves playing really well. Um, obviously the first minute was, I mean, it was just, it was super unfortunate. I don't know what happens, but Rui must've had his vision blocked because he actually steps to the right and then the ball goes to his left and he's yeah. just out of position. So it's kind of weird. I mean, why he stepped that way. Um, and they thought it, maybe it was deflected and then they kept looking at replays and then it wasn't deflected at all. It just, yeah. So it, and Titus actually made an interesting point while we were watching some of the, the highlights. Um, he said, he was like, it kind of sucks because the ball is almost the same color as the wolves, uh, kit. <laughs> Cause they were playing with this like yellow ball, which I don't think that's a good excuse, but, um, but regardless, Rui misplays it. They score in the first minute. Um, and I think probably Spurs controlled the first 15 or 20 minutes of the match, but after that it was all wolves. And we've talked a lot about Kane's son. I can remember them twice, like one of them each from the match. They were non-existent son on a set piece like free kick and harry kane after he gets owned by otisawi he he does a jack Grealish dive that's just yep. horrendous that's I, was gonna only- ask, I was gonna ask if that was what you remembered about kane was that pathetic flop at the end of the match yeah i saw a lot of people and i think it was mostly wolves fans but i saw a lot of people on twitter saying not my captain like because he's, <laughs> he's the england captain and they're basically like, it sucks that the two big, I saw someone else say something like, it sucks that two of the England's biggest stars are the biggest floppers out there in reference to Grealish as well. But, but all that to say, like, and this is what Jose, this has been the criticism of Jose for the last few weeks. He just is parking the bus and waiting for the counterattack. And I feel like the Premier League, not that they, haven't seen this before out of him, but for this season, they've, it seems like teams have figured it out. Um, they've been playing poorly and wolves looked so good. They, they still couldn't get the ball in the goal, obviously until that, that kind of last minute header, but so many opportunities wolves had twice as many shots, twice as many shots on goal. They had the advantage in possession. They had the advantage in passes. Um, I think they had the advantage in corners. Like it was clearly wolves. Wolves should have won that game. Probably not that there was a grievous error in like, or some VAR decision. So I don't mean it in that way. I just mean in like wolves were the better team on the pitch and um, Spurs just, they, they don't, they don't look good. And I was not impressed at all with the way they played. And, and here's the crazy thing about wolves. Wolves didn't play three at the back. The more, their more defensive style wolves went with four at the back, which has left them super vulnerable and particularly vulnerable to the counterattack. And the four played really, really solid defense, the, the entire match. And so, 
Um, again, just as we kind of talk about incremental growth by wolves and, and Nuno tinkering and tinkering and hopefully turning this, this team around. But, um, I was, I was very impressed and it made me excited because I think a week ago or two weeks ago, even I would have not been looking forward to this man Manchester United match based on the way both teams are playing, but, but I think it should be entertaining. So Fabio Silva played great again. Um, he missed a header. I mean, I don't know if you, I, I think he just wasn't in position to get the header. Um, and that was some of the other thing we've talked about and like missing Raul Raul would have, that game would have been won by Raul, you know? So he's clear, clearly we, the wolves are missing him, but Silva continues to look better and better. He's where in his first couple matches, he just wasn't in the box crosses would come in. He wasn't there. He wasn't in the right position for goals. He's now closer and closer into the positions he needs to be in to score. And so I'm, I'm excited, you know, I, I, I'm still not sure we're going to finish in a European place. And, but again, I've said this before, I'm okay with that because it's a lot of young guys and they do seem to be getting better. So man, Manchester United will be a good, a good uh, test for them tomorrow. I think it should be a fun match for sure. Uh, not just cause it's obviously my team, your team. Um, but let me ask you this specifically on, on wolves. Cause you were talking earlier about Jose parking the bus, wanting to counterattack. Do you think that that's a bad strategy to employ against wolves? Cause they are kind of that same sort of strategy where they, you know, they're more defensive minded than they, than they would be offensive minded. So do you think that that's a bad strategy to roll that out against a team like wolves who play that style? Yeah. Well, <laughs> Uh, wolves have traditionally played that way. I think it's a bad, I think it's a bad decision to play that way against a team like wolves who just haven't been scoring goals at all. <laughs> like, that's more my concern. Like if I were a Tottenham fan, I'd be like, why don't, why don't you play more on the front foot against wolves who've been struggling to score anyways, make the wolves score against you. And so to me, that's not the issue because actually I think a lot of people were surprised that Nuno came out with the, the lineup that he did. I think people expected Nuno to go back to the, the three, five, two lineup. That's more defensive and have Nuno play Jose's game, basically do a nil, nil draw, right? Like yeah. I, that's kind of what I expected. So I think my guess, I bet Jose was even surprised that that wolves played played that way but well yeah and if you watched it i mean i know you watched it but it seemed like the last half of the game was all wolves all pressing you know they got the they got the 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 tie excuse me they got the goal to tie the game um in like the 86th minute and then even those final 10 minutes of the game into extra time it was all wolves you know fob sorry what's his name the young kid fabio Fox. silva Fabio Silva, he had another really good chance before even that header where he just seemed like he got a little too excited, they said, and he just, you know, he went for goal and kicked it wildly off the side of the net, but he was in position. Which that was a great strike from that, like, angle, too. I thought it went in. You know, it was like, it's one of those yeah. that hit the side of the net, and you're like, which side yeah. of the net did it hit? So it just seemed like the end of that match, it was just all Wolves and Spurs were kind of lucky to get out of there, only conceding that one goal and getting the draw. But yeah, 
Well, here's the thing. Yeah. Let's talk a little more about wolves. I want to bring up Chelsea as well. Um, Tottenham, uh, six points out of their last six matches. That's not good. If you do the math, you finish with 38 points. That's like almost relegation level, like type play. Um, granted they played some good teams during that time, but still six out of six, they can't be happy about that, especially when they were top of table just a few short weeks ago. And then the other team I want to talk about is Chelsea, Chelsea with four points in their last five. Um, I'm not sure what's going on there. Yeah. Um, it's kind of crazy seeing things unfold the way that they are right now. Um, you know, it continues to be that strange year where you look at the top of the table and everyone's kind of there towards the top. You've got the few, you've got the, you know, the Everton's and the Aston Villas, even the Southampton's and West Ham in the top half that you're kind of like, where'd they come from? But the fact that, you know, Chelsea's down six, top, Tottenham's down in seven, Man City at eight. Granted, they have the game in hand. It's It's been a really weird um, season so far, but it's specifically in like these last like three to four weeks of, you know, uh, Chelsea and, and Tottenham were playing as, you know, one versus two a couple weeks ago. And they had the boring draw and Jose talked about, you know, they're the best team in the world. And then they go and they lose against Liverpool. And he talks about how the best team lost today. And uh, it's been a kind of nightmarish run for both those clubs since kind of that point. Um, I've obviously been making a ton of fun of Arsenal and Arsenal kicked the crap out of Chelsea over the weekend in the North London Derby. And, um, maybe it's time to start wondering about Frank Lampard and what he's actually capable of. I know he was heavily criticized when he started and then Chelsea kind of rounded out into form and started playing really good ball. And they made the run to the top four last year. And I think the year before as well. Um, and so everyone kind of left him alone, but you watch how they're playing right now and it's not good. Um, and not to go back into Ole and his lineups and, and where he's playing guys. I think Lampard is maybe doing a worse job because of how he's using some of his guys in that you talked about it last week with how Christian looked playing against the Wolves in the first half and then shifting him to the opposite side in the second and him doing nothing. Well, he played him there the entire game, um, you know, over the weekend. And, you know, I don't think that we're, maybe supposed to be talking about next week's quote unquote next week's matches, but they played today, obviously in the following yeah. week and it was another draw and it was another playing guys out of position. Um, you know, the way he's using Warner, the way he's using Pulisic is not how those guys are maybe traditionally used to playing. Um, because when they go to back to their national clubs, they play different spots and they're much more effective. <laughs> Even when Pulisic plays, you know, in that left side, he's so much more attacking and so much more prevalent. Um, I don't know. It's, it's weird. And again, I'm not, I don't have the knowledge of the game to really understand decisions like that. Like for me and for me with Ole, it's a lot easier because I just go, this guy's better than that guy. Uh -huh. why, why are you playing this guy over that guy? Whereas this is, he's like playing, 
yeah, he's playing the right guys. Just it seems like it's in the wrong place. Yeah. Well, I was just going to say, I mean, I, even as a neophyte, that doesn't seem that surprising to me because of what we know about Frank Lampert, right? Former player, only a few years removed from his, like, a great career. He was a great player. And I think more often than not in all sports, maybe it's different in soccer. I don't know, but I, I kind of doubt it is that those tip those guys typically don't make the best coaches, right? The guys who played at a really high level, the game came somewhat naturally to them. And uh, especially when they're, when they're younger and don't have those, those chops and those reps as a coach, a lot of times they flame out pretty quickly despite the big name. And so it's not surprising for me to hear all of what Chris just mentioned and the fact that he's struggling right now. So here's the question then we're talking about Tottenham and, and Chelsea who's gone first. Will Jose implode and blow up and leave or be sacked or Lampard who's out of their Not that it's going to happen this year, but just what do you think? I'm going to, I'll just stick with my theory, right? I, I think that, you know, it doesn't seem like Lampert is the, the right guy. He'll, I don't know that his future is in coaching. He may figure that out and feel like it's a lot more fun to be retired than it is to be a struggling coach. So I'll go with him. It, it's, it's such a great question because the answer is yes. Um, <laughs> Jose is going to flame out and they're going to get tired of his act. It's just a matter of time. Um, part of me wonders like when I look at the NBA and coaches being bad and a lot of times they just stick with a bad coach because they're paying off their previous bad coach. And so like, I don't, I don't know what the financials are at, at these clubs. I don't know what Spurs still owe Poch if they owe him anything. And are they just sitting there going like, well, we're not going to pay a third manager right now. So let's deal with this. Um, versus Chelsea who has a coach that if we're being honest his players don't look happy out there um and he, it feels like he's playing guys out of positions that they're just not accustomed to to try and fit his style of where he wants them to be All right, so make, it, make a call though make a call who's out first Chris I'm gonna say Lampard all right both you guys I'm going to say Poch mostly because Lampard's got the like Chelsea. You mean Jose? What I, what I say? Poch. Oh, Poch. Yeah. Jose. I think Jose will be out first. Um, mostly because I think Lampard has like the history with the club that maybe buys him some more time. I don't think it's going to be a lot more time though. If they both keep struggling, I think the cries for both of them to be gone uh, will, will be louder and louder. So but let's look at the teams who are who are either surprisingly still at the top, like towards the top of the table, or who have kind of come back. Um, and that's Aston Villa and Everton. And we'll get to Kyle's uh, Sheffield Everton here in a minute. But Aston Villa, as much as I don't want to 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 talk about them, they just continue to look great. 
uh, 11 points in their last five matches. And here's the more important thing. One goal allowed four clean sheets, four clean sheets, one goal allowed in their last five matches. Um, they, they won again. Um, was that today? They played today Uh, already. Yeah. They played today. They drew with Chelsea today. Yeah, they drew. So the first, the first goal they've allowed, um, in, in the last five matches was today. So they had four in a row. Um, they, they just, they just look great. That's, and they're top five, top five club and they have a game in hand, right? Yes. Yeah. And two games behind Leicester city, who's already played their 16th, 16th match. So, um, and the other team that started off the season really hot and then is now back up and running, and that's Everton. Everton started at the top of the table, had a drop off for a little while, but they are they are back up and running. They have 13 points in their last five uh, with only allowing two goals during that time. So with that, uh, Kyle, you focused on Sheffield and Everton over the weekend um let me let, i want to jump in just real real quick well you okay. froze for like two minutes so i was trying to talk for as long as i could until you came back to us i'm sorry i set up the the handoff so well yes you did uh real quick on aston villa their uh their run has been impressive but context matters because their run has been against Crystal Palace, who's terrible, West Brom, who's terrible, Burnley, who's terrible, Wolves, who can't score goals, and uh, they lost the previous game of that against West Ham. So context matters. It's a crazy good run. Don't get me wrong. You've got to beat the teams that you're supposed to beat totally. if you want to remain at the top. So kudos to them, but it's not like they're lighting the world on fire. Liverpool uh, would be running away with the league right now if they beat the teams they were supposed to, right? I mean, they, they still got points out of those two, but we would be talking about another runaway, which I already think that's what's interesting about Liverpool, right, is they've got a a, de- a little bit of a lead. They feel like they may be starting to pull away, but I think it's not so much that they're pulling away. It's just that two, the teams two through eight are like, so inconsistent. So Everton was solid. They dropped off for a while. Spurs were great. They dropped off. Everton's come back a little bit. Um, Chelsea started off slow. They went on a great run. Now they've backed off a bit. Man, you started off bad. Now they're on a great run. Like it yeah. seems like if Liverpool just continues not losing, which obviously that's how you win championships, but um, even with those two draws, those kind of two surprising draws that Liverpool's had, they've just been the most consistently great or really the most consistently really, really good. And that's kept them at the top of the table and really with the potential to run away with the league again. Yeah. Yeah. I can definitely see that. Uh, you know, what's funny is that Everton's on a really good run and I would actually, I'm less worried about them being a competitor than I am Aston Villa um and I, I i don't know exactly why i feel that way i just kind of go like man eh, it's everton whatever i'm not worried yeah. about them. um you know that or everton <laughs> or everton 
Yes. And you played them earlier in the week in a Caribou Cup quarterfinal and handled, you know, beat them two nothing. It was never, it wasn't a close game. If you watch the match, Manchester United just outplayed them the whole time, scored two goals, called it a day. And Everton played their their A squad and um Man United played their Ole squad. So um yeah, I don't know. It's weird. I don't I, I see Everton sitting up there. And I go, oh, that's cool for them. And I just, I can't imagine them being there. I just, I don't, I don't see them having the top end talent to stay up there. That being said, um, shoot, what's his name? Calvert Lewin is awesome. I love that guy. I can watch that guy play all day. He's he's Great. awesome. They've got some fun players. Yeah, yeah, they've got they've got a couple there. Um, but I don't know. I don't know what it is. I just kind of go like, man, I'm not worried about him. <laughs> but yep. it's. It's good for them for being there. Kyle, you watch them and Sheffield. Uh, focus on Sheffield. Give us a little rundown. Yeah, I did. You know, not a ton of game action in this one. It was, as the announcer put it, a cold, wet, blustery night. Um, it was raining, man. Cats and dogs out there. And, you know, just not really uh, didn't lead to a lot of high quality soccer in my opinion um, i've got to imagine so- i've got to imagine kyle you grew up in arizona chris you grew up in arizona i've lived in arizona for a long yeah. time kyle you're living in orlando area right now yeah the rain we experience is like warm rain yeah i can't imagine what that when when they i like watch those matches sometimes and i'm like I don't think I really understand how miserable that has to be. That's got to be so cold. A night game. Oh, dude. It looked cold. <laughs> like, it looked miserable. There's there's no way I would have been out there or been <laughs> effective if they had put me out there. And these those guys are running around. Most of them, a couple of them have long sleeves. A lot of them don't. None of them have pants on, right? I mean, obviously. But... I just don't know. A couple know guys how, wearing gloves. With, You'll see those guys gloves, wearing gloves. Yep. With all that, even though your adrenaline's going and, and you're, you know, you're running around sweating, I don't know how they, they weren't just freezing cold because it was rainy and miserable. And yeah. So, you know, didn't lead to, like I said, a lot of high quality soccer. <clears throat> Sheffield couldn't do much against Everton's defense. Um, Everton didn't have that, that many opportunities themselves. Uh, they did finally break through with a goal in the 80th minute by uh, Sigurdsson. And I believe the announcer, when he scored the goal, said he he dicked out a goal. And we can't confirm that. I went back and tried to watch it again and couldn't find it. But if any of our listeners can confirm if that is what the announcer said and that's a term, regardless of if it is or if it is not, I'm going to use that term going forward. <laughs> But that was worth watching all 90 minutes of this match for d- sure. Dicking out a goal either sounds like super pain. It's either like super painful or super pleasurable. <laughs> I don't know either way, but it could, it's it's not in the middle. It's on either extreme. The only thing better would be if you scored a goal and then took your dick out. That would be the only thing that would be better. <laughs> Dude, speaking of that, I don't even think I'll put it in the show notes, but I'm pretty sure there's some like footage of a guy. I, 
Oh man, this is also a term of the week that we'll have to talk about, but I think there's something, I think it's called like helicoptering. <laughs> and a guy, but there's like some video footage of a fan doing it in this field after, uh, or like in the stands after someone's. Oh my gosh. I think it's from a season or I, it's from a season or two ago. I, I don't know. I'm sure someone uh, who listens to the pod will send me the footage. Uh, yes. DM on Twitter. But... EA Sports, if you're listening, you can get this into the newest FIFA for <laughs> PS5 for sure. Oh, man. Okay, so after after Sigerson dicked it in, anything else exciting happened? Nothing in the match, but uh, did some research on Sheffield, uh, you know, watching them as well. So I'll go go ahead and go through my golden boot awards here for Sheffield infrastructure, you know, so interesting. They, they had what they would refer to there as their glory years back in from 19 or 18, excuse me, doesn't start with the 19, 1895 to 1925 were their glory years where they won five major trophies. Uh, They haven't won a major trophy since then. So to say that they peaked a long time ago is a bit of an understatement. They've been in the third division as recently as 2013. Uh, But one thing they can hang their hat on is they did score the first ever Premier League goal. That's pretty cool. Um, And they were one of the founding members of the Premier League team. Um, And last year finished ninth, right? So they looked like they were building on some good stuff. They had just got a new owner, a Saudi prince. Um, One of their former players is their manager, Chris Wilder. Um, looked like they were headed in the right direction. And then this year has just been a complete turnaround, as we all know. And so when you're trying to evaluate what is that foundation that they're built on, what's their infrastructure look like, not a lot of recent success uh, in terms of over the last couple of decades. And the most recent success that they had last year, finishing ninth, has been completely evaporated this year. So two golden boots for infrastructure not really sure what to make. They look like they're headed back towards relegation, um, which would make them, you know, not even eligible to be picked to begin with. So they got to get, they got to get going if they want to be considered. Uh, Going forward to culture, this is actually an area where I thought they did pretty well in. So they are referred to, as you guys probably know, as the blades, which is a pretty sweet uh, nickname. Right. Um, They got it from Sheffield's history with steel production. And I got to say, like, that is one of the cooler names in all of sports to be referred to as Blades. That's pretty sweet. Their logo is really cool as well. I actually think they should, like, use that more often and make that more prominent on their kit or in their in their stadium. Um, So really cool kind of just that that whole building around that that nickname and that part of their city as well. They were actually, before they referred to the Blades, they were called the Cutlers. Um, because, like, a lot of the steel production that they did in Sheffield was actually cutlery. And I thought Cutlers was a cool name, too. It's a little bit more, rare, like, it, it's more, you don't you hear Blades all the time, right? But here, Cutlers um, is kind of a cool nickname as well. Nate, you're unless shaking you're your head. NFL. I was going to ask you guys what you preferred. Well, you mostly prefer because more? you're like an NFL, if you're, unless you're an NFL quarterback, it's a, it's a horrible name. Yeah. I instantly went to the Jay Cutlers and I was like, I'm out. Well, that was my plan to save Sheffield is to actually have Jay Cutler be a part owner. 
So Jay, if you're listening to this, first of all, big fan, Team Jay over Team Kristen. Uh, and second of all, you need to buy Sheffield United or at least get part ownership here and rename them the Cutlers. Let's let's get this thing going. To answer your question, Blades, all the way. I love that. Your Blades, I, I think, Chris. I think Blades is so slick. Yeah, Chris, only Blades are Cutlers. Only because of Jay Cutler, I, I have to go with the Blades. However, it might be really funny to be to have a Team Cutlers in there. Uh, yeah, Blades. Yes, yes. All right. Um, but, yeah, very cool name. Um, they have a team song or a team chant called You Fill Up My Senses, um, which I got to say, I don't want to – be too negative here but i was expecting a little bit more when it came to some of these team chants and team songs this is it just doesn't have a lot of energy a lot of um vigor to go with it so i I need these some of these clubs to have some more energetic chants that i can get into that one didn't make the mark for me Uh, but one more positive in their feather in their cap is they were they actually have a pretty passionate and positive fan base um they were actually they're actually known for having some of the most interactions on twitter and some of the most positive interactions on twitter when it comes to their their club which for a club that hasn't had a lot of success is fairly surprising but also really refreshing so i enjoyed that um they're going to need some of that positivity because again uh their season is is not going well they actually blame that a lot from what I was able to gather on some of their better players that were successful for them last year, being out with injury or red card suspension. So maybe they can make a run. What do you guys think? Do you guys think this team has any chance, any chance no to chance. get out of the relegation zone? No chance. Yeah, I'm going. No they're way too far behind and they're, um, they're not scoring at all ever in any games they don't score they're not giving up a lot it's not like they're getting blown out in every game they can't score yeah yeah and that that brings me to you know their strikers right not a lot of star power on this team nate one of the guys you or maybe it was chris you guys called out last week was ryan brewster who they got from Liverpool. liverpool yeah and yeah, dude, that you can totally see, even for a neophyte like myself, that guy is oozing with talent. He got the start in this game, which was good considering they hadn't, you know, according to you guys, hadn't been playing him a lot. Um, and I, I, it is intriguing what he brings to the table. Here's the downside with that. Uh, something I learned, I didn't had no idea this was a thing. Liverpool actually has a buyback option on it. Oh, yeah. So he was sold for 23 mil or 28 mil, one of the two, and they, and they can buy him back for 40 mil anytime between now and 2023. And uh, I certainly understand why that's good for Liverpool, but man, as a Sheffield fan, if you're got this young guy and he, and he explodes you know, you, you've got to have basically be forced to sell him. That, that is a really tough pill to swallow and makes it hard to even pull for his development. Well, as a fan, it's hard, right? But from an ownership group, you've now like profited 12 million. Off, right? right? What did they buy him for? You said 23? I think 28. I 20, think 28. So 
from an investment standpoint, which a lot of these owners are, and especially for smaller clubs, now imagine, imagine they do get relegated. Yep. They've either got a star at the championship level that can help lead them back up, or they get an infusion of cash that they otherwise wouldn't have had. They make 12 million profit on a, on a year long stint or a couple year long stint. So I totally understand it from the fan perspective, but especially when you're looking at a team that could get relegated, it may be great financially for them. Cause now you drop to the championship, let's say Liverpool buys them back. Now they've got that extra cash they can go to pour back into because they're not getting premier league money so they can pour that money back into maybe make another run by a couple other players and make a run to get back to premier league so yep that that might be a part of like this i mean i'm sure it's part of the strategy for for the um for a team like that for sure for sure yep and it certainly looks like they're going to need that money going forward. So two, two golden boots for strikers kit sponsors. I, I gave them one golden boot and, and I'm looking at this, I'm thinking I maybe undersold it a little bit because I do really like their logo. As I mentioned, I do really, their first kit is very solid, the red and white stripes, um, but they're away kits. Those, those pink pale, uh, kids, we've had conversations about them on text threads. I, I'm with Chris. I don't like those things. Um, their away kits are green for some reason. Don't like those either. So was kind of out on, on their kits and their eh, overall package. Um, that puts them at nine golden boots total. I actually made a new tier for them um, because I wanted to honor their illustrious golden years getting off to a hot start um, and then fading really quickly and becoming obscure. You guys know where Come I'm on. going with this. Come on. The Freddie Adu tier. Freddie Adu tier. I knew it. The Freddie Adu tier. Um, with that, let's look at the term of the week until we find out what dicking out a shot is. Um, we were going to go with a different one, but I heard Chris say a word earlier that was mm. used in the wrong context. And so I thought, why not do a, a term of the week from within the show? So we'll save one. We've had one that's kind of been brewing for a few weeks, but Chris used the word howler to describe, I think, Harvey Barnes's goal. Yes. He said it was a howler, but in so in soccer or in I could understand how why you would use that term, but a howler in football is like a horrible error, and typically they use it in reference to a keeper. And you would hear them say, "Oh, that was a howler." And it's the keeper misplays it and a goal scored off it, or they miss kick it to the opponent or something like that. So, um, and I think it comes from the idea of like howling with laughter, like, Oh, that's a howler. Like that is like, we're all laughing at you because you made such a horrible error. So, um, so there it is howler right from within the show itself, term of the week, howler, 
always here for the education. You know? That's right. <laughs> and, and maybe maybe I wasn't so wrong. It may just I attributed it to the wrong person because you know the howler was on McTominay, Baye, and De Gea. That's true. <laughs> that, that that is true. That's true. Um, I've got an assist of the week. My assist of the week actually has more to do with philosophy than actually it being a great assist. But my assist of the week goes to Pedro Neto's goal or uh, corner kick that Roman says scored on the header. Probably the goal is better than the assist, although it's still a great delivery into the box. But I, I set it up as assist of the week more because Wolves this season, and I think last season too, for some reason, have employed the short corner almost exclusively. Kyle, do you know what the short corner is? So I was about to ask. What? Okay. No, I have no clue. So a corner kick, a traditional corner kick, is you have a guy at the corner and he kicks it into the box and someone tries to get ahead on it or knock into the goal. A short corner is when a teammate is near the corner and you kick it to them and then they kick it mm. or maybe they kick okay. it around. I've so seen it's this. Kind, yep. It's kind of like, I think for a lot of people, they would say there's a huge, like, what's the advantage of a corner kick if you're just going to kick it, do a short corner, kick it to someone. I know Wolves fans have felt that way where it's like, what, why, like, let's just give our guys a shot in the box. Like, why do we keep doing these short corners? So when I saw Sace score off of a real corner, a full corner kick, I thought this is why we need to be just put it in the box and see what will come of it. And so I don't know if it was the only time Wolves did it all match, but it definitely was one of the few times they've, they've done a full corner this season. And so because of that, I'm giving my assist of the week to Pedro Neto and probably to Nuno for making that decision. Mm. Nice. Well, I also want to take this opportunity to kind of talk about a market inefficiency that I've seen is I think that every team should employ a six foot 10 <laughs> athletic dude who you get a corner sub he's coming in and he's going to get like, you're telling me Anthony Davis, American <laughs> basketball player wouldn't score every other match. If you just gave him a couple headers. So, you know, but you know, you have sub sub limits, right? Each team only gets three subs. It brings us back to that argument, Kyle, because I know you're pro all subs all you want. I'm pro all subs. I'm so, pro all subs. You put one Anthony Davis on your team. It's the same thing in football. I would have a guy who's like, I would have Anthony Davis on my team in football and have him block extra points. <laughs> <laughs> all right just new, just noodle on it just noodle on it i love it i'd love to see a guy swat an extra point <laughs> wouldn't you need to get like a a guy like bull bull who's like seven six and has like yes. a split wingspan get that guy out there yeah i like it um you know i watched every goal this week and there's not a lot that stood out. They were all just kind of traditional goals for the most part. There was a couple I did like more than others. I'll highlight two. 
One for my assist of the week was Manchester United's first goal on, on Saturday. Here it is again. Here it is again. The Homer effect. It's Every- not the Homer effect. It's the Bruno effect. Because Bruno <laughs> Fernandez's assist to Marcus Rashford in that game was pretty incredible. And if you haven't seen it, you should watch it. Um, I did it, see it. He's off balance. The ball's way out in front of him. He just kind of lunges forward, gets his leg on it, and tips it straight over through the defenders to Rashford for the goal. That was my assist of the week. My goal of the week that I liked was uh, Mane's goal for Liverpool. Um, Ball gets played into him. He takes it off of his chest, turns to the goal, and before the ball even hits the ground, strikes it back of the net. It was a I liked it. The Granite Xhaka goal, as bad as he's kind of been this year for Arsenal, that Xhaka goal, though, was was that, on the, was that the set piece one? Yes, top right corner on a set piece. Yeah, mm, that was really that nice. was that, that was, was beautiful. Goal. Did you see? Because that was uh, that was against Chelsea, right? Yeah. So go back and like go to the match highlights and flip to that goal and watch it again if you didn't see it the first time. Tammy Abraham's reaction was hilarious. I didn't he see was, it. He straight up the biggest eye roll I've ever seen. Like, how did Mendy not get that ball? That's bad. That's a team that's frustrated, right? Like when you're kind of like, when you're visually um, reacting to either your manager or or your teammates, which ironically has been Arsenal's deal all season, just piss poor body language. And yeah, that's not good. That's not good for that team. Well, it's funny. And then, you know, Tammy Abraham scores in the 85th minute of that game to get their one goal and they called him off sides on it. And I'd never seen a player do this. He got called off sides. He literally points at the the ref. He goes, no, no, no. (laughs) (laughs) She's yelling no. And it goes to VAR and he was onside by, you know, a millimeter and uh, gets the goal, but I just thought it was, he looks so mad and so frustrated right now. Sorry, Tammy. All right. Let's take a look at uh, lock it in review. Um, I picked city over Newcastle. Got that correct to move my record to 10 and four. Kyle picked Leeds over Burnley. Uh, to move into second place at eight and six, Chris picked Chelsea over Arsenal. Unfortunately, hey, my powers are back. Your powers, powers are back. back. Your powers are back. I uh, almost picked against Arsenal again this week, uh, just to see if they're fully back. But I didn't want to do Arsenal fans the favor. Yeah. <laughs> well, you might be doing Wolves fans a favor because this week's lock it in for you. Uh, you picked Manchester United over Wolves. Um, yes, I did. Um, and it was a combination of if we're going to have a derby for the football neophytes, I'm going to support my guys. And the flip side of it just being kind of a weird midweek match week and not having a ton of options. So looking at it, I said, I'm going to support my guys. I really don't fault you for that. I considered picking Man U over Wolves as well, but instead I picked Wolves over Man U because why not? Um, Chris, what do you got? So what do you think the scoreline will be? Um, can I tell you when Ole announces his lineup tomorrow? No, right now. Right now. <laughs> um, I'm going to go 
I'm going to go three, one United. All right. I've got two, one wolves. Um, I can't, I don't think I can pick wolves to score three goals. Um, ever at this point so two two one i almost picked three two and i just like tried to imagine that and i can't so i went two one wolves um though we will we will see uh kyle who do you got for this uh for this midweek fixtures i'm going banking on arsenal to stay hot over brighton nice and then for the weekend kyle who do you have and weekend, I'm going to go Tottenham over Leeds. Thinking behind that is Leeds has two road matches this week. And I think Tottenham's due. So I think the talent disparity there will play out with Leeds being a little bit tired on that second second leg. I like it. Smart. Chris, who do you got? Uh, I'm returning the favor to you. Uh, I'm taking the Wolves. I'm taking Wolves over Brighton in that weekend match. Um, and I will say, Kyle, that that Spurs Leeds game is going to be super interesting to me because, uh, again, it's a it's a clash of styles. Like, mm. you know, we had it against Burnley over the weekend. They won that match one nothing, but it's the clash of styles of go 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 versus park park park. So for sure, uh, it'll be interesting. That's going to be an interesting match. Yeah, that should be a fun one. Yeah, and Leeds scored only on the Bamford uh, uh, penalty, yeah. right? Yep. So. I've got Everton over West Ham. Um, Everton's been looking good. Um, West Ham seems to be fading back into the middle of the table, and I'm going to ride Everton out a little longer. Um, match of the week, I think there's there's a couple uh, that stand out to me over the weekend. Uh, Manchester United versus Villa. I think that that should be exciting. Um, Villa playing, playing great man, you playing great. And then uh, Chelsea versus city. It's a classic top big six, top six. If if, it's a big, if it happens, if it happens. Yeah. If it happens. Yeah. Depending on who has COVID for city too. I mean, there may be some important players ruled out. I don't know how they'll navigate that. So. Yeah. I think uh, a couple of good matches to watch. Obviously, United's got a tough week um, ahead of them. Um, but Southampton plays West Ham. It's another battle of two top ten teams. Battle um, of the Hams. The Hams. Yep. And then, um, strangely, Liverpool versus Southampton on the weekend. I think is going to be a good one to watch, too. So, um, can we talk very briefly just go back to Manchester United's schedule right now. Um, I just want to hit this real quick because this is stupid. Wolves tomorrow, Villa on Friday, Man City uh, just after the new year on the 6th, Liverpool on the 17th. That is, we're going to, I'm going to find out, I'm going to find out what this team really is. Totally. Yep. The one good thing is in the FA Cup third round, they play Watford. So, you know, that, nice. that's, a nice, that's a nice break before going to Liverpool. Maybe. I mean, Watford is towards the top of the table of the championship. So you could, you could actually hope for a, you know, division or like division three or four <laughs> club in the, in the 
FA Cup uh, third round. But I can always dream for one of the teams that you ask us, is this a real team or not? Yeah, we're going to have to bring that, that back soon. Mm-hmm. There's too many matches going on right now. We'll have to wait till January when it eases up or we get an international break sometime soon. So. Yeah, for sure. Kyle, who are you focusing on over the weekend or this I'm week? I'll be checking out Newcastle, Liverpool. Haven't watched Newcastle very much this year. And so going to be honing in on them. Got any recommendations on players to watch? A lot of recommendations. I, Newcastle to me is a fascinating team because they really have a, and you'll find this out when you do your research. I would say they have some of the more like fun players. If I just like looked at a team with, players that are fun to root for and interesting. They have a lot of those guys, but their ownership is a mess. Mm -hmm. It's a mess. You will not find probably a more hated owner than Newcastle's owner. So it'll be interesting to see that. Um, There hasn't been as much uproar this year, I think, because they started off fairly good and, but they they have traditionally been a mess, but guys to look out for obviously our very own DeAndre Yedlin, American, plays for Newcastle. Um, sure. he started playing a bit more recently, so we'll see if he if he gets the start. Um, there's as he should, as he, as should. he should, uh, at least according to me, according, yeah. There's two brothers, the Longstaff brothers, um, they're decent. St. Maximin, um, uh, Callum Such a Wilson. great name. Such a great name. Yes. Great name. St. Maximin, um, Callum Wilson's probably their best. I think he leads their team in both goals and assists. If I remember correctly, I think he was on Bournemouth last year. So he's one of those players who, um, was a part of a premier league team last year when they got relegated. Hmm didn't want he was too good a quality to go down with his club and so he he transferred to uh to newcastle and he's probably their best player right now they also have a guy miguel uh, almiron he was uh kind of he's he's known here in the states because he was one of atlanta united stars when they won mls a few years ago and he may be the biggest transfer purchase from the MLS to Premier, mm. if I remember correctly, when he made the move a couple of years ago it was a pretty big deal because I think Newcastle paid quite a bit for him. Um, so they have another guy, John Joe Shelby. Again, they just have a lot of, they have a lot of guys who I would consider likable or enjoyable or interesting. And so, um, Yeah. Here, here's what I highly suggest you do, Kyle. Google Newcastle United FC's roster and the uh, the pictures of these guys is pretty amazing. Like, <laughs> you, you might fall in love with this team just from their pictures on, on the Newcastle United FC page. Um, it's pretty great. They're just looking at pictures of these guys. There's a lot of personalities there. It's pretty fun. Yep. They'll be a hard, hard team to give a lot of golden boots to with ownership. That's for, that's for darn sure. But, all right. Well, we got to rest up boys. We got a, a emotional day tomorrow. 
I may have COVID. I don't know. So we'll see. Um, I don't well, think I do. I feel good, but I do need to rest up for the match. So don't gentlemen, you go dying on me. <laughs> don't you go dying on me now. Um, <laughs> gentlemen, a lot of, lot of, lot of matches over the next few days. Let's enjoy them. Yeah, for sure. Do it. All right. Peace. Blazers out boys. <laughs>